Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to the book of 2 Corinthians, please. The book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. The book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. You look so beautiful this morning in God's house. Why don't you greet your neighbor one more time? Welcome them. We've had some visitors come in. We welcome you. We ask that you will stop by the white tent out front before you leave so we can greet you properly, get to know you a little better, send you a gift for coming this week. We believe that God has brought you this way. Verse one, if we'll pull that up, please. I continue our series on when the storms come. And I'll be honest with you, every week God has given me something new. In fact, next week I wanna preach about when other people get you involved in a storm. Herschel, how many times do you know that sometimes I put myself in a storm? Other times it's natural. Sometimes it's demonic. But then other times my children, my spouse, a friend, a colleague puts me in their storm which becomes my storm. And you've gotta be able to carry yourself in that manner as well as a godly person. Anybody ever been in a storm because somebody else put you in that storm? Anybody? Anybody? The rest of you, I don't know what life you're living. It's a good life, amen. Mercy. That's next week. But today, I wanna to encourage. I have come to encourage the people that I love. The church that I love, I've come to encourage you. I've got a word of encouragement. I've come to let you know what you need you already have in Christ Jesus. Let's go to the scripture. It is doubtless that profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years, Paul's speaking in the third person here. It's powerful that he does this. A few verses later, he puts himself back in the first, but here is third person. Watch what he says. Whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, he says, but God knows. Such a one was called up into a third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in body or out of body, I do not know, but God knows. How he was called up in paradise, into paradise, and he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will, not, for I will speak the truth, but I will refrain. Watch how Paul goes back and forth to bring balance. And I'll explain it to you why in a few moments. Least anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. At least I should be exalted above measure. By the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this now. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, will I rather boast in my infirmities See, there's a place in the storm where you quit telling God why you hate him and why you're mad with him. Oh, that, there's a place for that. But then there comes to a place where you begin to see that God is using this thing not to kill you, but to elevate you. 
So then you start thanking God for your weaknesses because God is using his power in your weaknesses to produce something great in you. Come on, somebody. Watch this. I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen to me this morning. What you want, you can't buy. What you think you want to do in ministry, you can't get it because I throw out my handkerchief. Some things you're only going to get from God when you go through the storm and you realize that I can't do it in my own power but God. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. When you start taking pleasure in your weaknesses, in, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for whose sake? For Christ's sakes. Because then you learn, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I come to put down some supermans in this house this morning. Some of you Clark Kents that you always have that look like you just came out the phone booth. Are you listening? Kryptonite can't be found anywhere. You just get up in the morning and your breath smells like Tic Tacs. You understand what I'm saying? Your hair looks like Steve's hair when you get out of bed. I kind of put some of you down to let you know you may look like it's always together, but I know better. And I've come to let you know that what you've been trying to cover up, God's trying to expose that to show you that you're not as strong as you think you are, but Him, you're more than a conqueror. That's what I want to preach just for a few moments. When the storms come, I want to preach being equipped for the storm. Stretch your hand this way. Kevin, would you pray over me? Ask God to anoint me greatly, please. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, I told you about my precious Mima, who when the storms would come, she'd unplug the TV, you have to sit on the couch, you couldn't breathe a word, you had to sit there, if you said anything, she had a fly swatter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying spank your children with a fly swatter, but back in the late 70s, early 80s, you could get away with that kind of stuff, you understand? And you would sit there and she would say this, God's just doing his work. Let the Lord do his work. And then once the storm was over, then you could get up and go about your business. Not only do I remember that being prepared for the storm, but I also remember growing up, we would equip ourselves for the storm if we knew the storm was coming. Now I've told you recently, and I'm gonna preach a message before the summer is over about the unknown. But if I can prepare for the storm, I believe that I can go through the storm greater because I have the necessary resources. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me, let me tell you what I mean. This right here is the Nolan survival kit for storms. First notice my mama, there's still a tag on the bag, right? That way if the bag busts or tears after year nine, we can still take it back to Walmart. If you're from Salem, you know what I'm talking about, amen? Can I get amen? 
That's my mama. And this is our bag. First of all, there was always water. We always had water in our bag. Then secondly, let me show you what we got. We had milk, but milk would only last one day in the refrigerator, so that was a great excuse to eat the whole bowl of cereal, whole box in one day. Can somebody say amen? Then there was always bread. Anybody know about bread? Come on now. I, 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 y'all not that, that fancy to not know what I'm talking about. Here, here, here Joey, hold, hold on. Hold on. And then you had that, that, that pack of ham. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The 99 cent Carolina Pride? Yeah. Man, some of y'all have been quiet all morning, now you come to life. It's amazing. And then just because you're from the South, and, and you know that pork skins will never go back. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I don't know what your bag looks like. I'm trying to show you what my bag looks like. And then we always had, had a candle, not these smelly candles. I, See, that's, oh, that smells good. That's Jessica's stuff there. Amen. And, but, but we had them old candles that would light up, the little small ones. And then we had the lighter. And then we had a flashlight. And when mom and dad would go to bed, me and my brother Brandon would go through the house like this, trying to chase each other until somebody hit the wall. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, 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 then, and then last but not least, the greatest thing that you could have for your survival kit for when the storm comes is spam. You always had to have if you had, listen, I, I, I don't even know what spam is, I, I, but it, it'll keep you in the storm. You understand what I'm saying? When you have a chance to know that the storm is coming, then you can prepare for the storm. But what we don't realize every day with God is preparing us for the storm. You think coming to church is checking a box, but it's not. It's your boot camp. It's preparing you for the storm. You think reading your Bible and praying is something that you do because it's necessary because if you want to be a Christian, this is the checkbox that you have to check. But what you don't realize, even your worship, even your tongues, even your prayer life, it's nothing but God preparing you for what is ahead. Not only the good times so you can receive them with humility, but also the bad times. Everything that I've gone through over the span of my life allows me to stand here this morning and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? It doesn't mean that there's not nobody against me. It simply means this, that while people may be against me, their force is not greater than the force of my God. And God has proven time and time again that he is not only faithful, but he loves me and he will go to work on my behalf. See, you don't understand that this daily walk that you're going through is nothing but your survival kit, that God is preparing you for the next steps in your life. And that way when you have those suddenly moments like Job, that, that way when you have those moments like Acts 27 with Paul, when the Bible said that the wind shifted and began to blow against him and it begins to take you in a different direction, you do not have to fear because you know that if God can bring me this far, then God can keep me through the storm. I come to preach to some people this morning who your marriage is in trouble. I come to preach to some people right now who your finances are chaotic. I come to preach to some people right now who there's sickness in your body and you don't know how you're going to make it through the next storm in your life. I come to let you know this morning that the God that called you out of darkness and brought you into light, the God that saved you, filled you, sanctified you, is not going to let you die in this storm. The God that lives inside of you is sufficient enough to get you through your present storm. If you don't lose you in the storm, God is not going to lose you in the storm.
Too many people this morning see the storm that they're insufficient to handle the storm. Going through a divorce and trying to raise children, cancer in your body, sickness running through your body, and you ask God, God, why and when and how? And God, I don't have this and I don't have that. We spend so much telling God what we don't have instead of praising God for who he is, therefore what we have. I've come to remind somebody this morning, you got what you need right now to make it through the storm that you're facing. If Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you, you're not gonna fall prey to the enemy. You're more than a conqueror today. Let your pastor encourage you this morning, you're not gonna fall in this storm. Can somebody say amen in this house? Give God praise if you would. Now let me show you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is a church that lives in this great city, this wealthy city. The problem with their wealth was not the wealth itself. That's not a sin. The problem with the wealth that there was a bunch of false teachers, benefactors, false preachers who knew that the city had wealth. So therefore, they came to Corinth to uh, gain from their teaching. They would find out what Michael would want to hear. And if Michael wanted to hear that there's five ways to God, then they would preach to Michael, there's five ways to God. And once they would do that, Michael would fill their pocketbook with money and then their conscience would be clear. And what was happening was this. Paul was being linked in with these false teachers. That's why Paul said, you should pay the preacher. You should pay those that labor among you. The the labor is worthy of the hire. However, at times, Paul said, I may resist income not to be lumped in with these false teachers. Why? Paul says, so that the gospel would not be hindered and it might go forth. That's why at times Paul had to make tents to, to make an income. Well, at that very moment now, Paul was being lumped in with these preachers. These preachers are having what I call a camp meeting moment. If you've ever been to a camp meeting, there's always a group of preachers, truthful or not truthful, they're going to get together and they're going to have a, uh, a evangelistic praise about their ministry, like this. So let's say me and Joy, Kevin Keelan, Brother Ramirez, we're all standing around. I say something like this. Five people will say that North Wahala on Sunday. When Joy goes, I'm not gonna let Neil outdo me. Well, there was 10 people saved at East Salem on Sunday. Kevin says, I'm not gonna let them outdo me over at South North Wahala. Now forget it. Anyway, I I, kind of messed that one up, but you get the point. And so what happens, Kevin says, not only were 20 saved, but 20 were filled with the Holy Ghost and the preacher even got saved. And then Brother Ramirez just tops it off and says, you won't believe what happened. The rapture came. The whole church went to be with Jesus. Boys, top that right there. This is a game of one-upsmanship. What they're doing is they're bragging about their own ministries. 
not God ministers, but their own ministers. They are one up against each other. And then they will also go through whatever preaching, seeking, all their abilities, they are boasting. And by doing that, they are hypnotizing the, the, the Corinthians. The Corinthians are saying, oh, look at them. You remember the Corinthians had trouble because they would praise men. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Jesus. They always wanted to jump on the latest fad that was shining so brightly. So what they were doing was they were bewitching the congregation and stealing them away from the truth. By doing that, Paul has to come to them and says, boys, if you want to compare notes, let's compare notes. He was saying to them, if you want to brag, let's brag. If you want to oppose the truth of the gospel, lay your cards on the table and I'll lay my cards on the table. But the problem is Paul doesn't play fair. Paul plays with truth. Paul doesn't play games with them and start saying, I get paid more than you. And if you'll just tell your congregation this, they'll pay you a little bit more. And if you'll do this and if you'll do that. No, Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, if you want to compare notes, let's compare notes. So they start to compare notes. And what Paul does, he does not boast about his money. He does not boast about his numbers. Paul begins to boast about his infirmities. He begins to talk about his hardships. He begins to talk about his beatings. He begins to talk about being shipwrecked. Paul begins to line up one after the other everything that he has gone through for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when he gets to chapter 12, he brings a little bit of balance. He says, now listen, not only have I gone through a lot, he says, but also let me tell you what God's done for me. One day was praying and I was called up into the third heaven. I don't know if it was a little heaven for me going or if it was a vision or a dream. I don't know. But I saw things so powerful. I saw things so beautiful. I saw things so glorious that I can't put it even on paper. Now I'm not judging anybody that sees heaven. I'm not judging anybody right now that writes about they went to heaven for 35 seconds. Only thing I can tell you in scripture is this. There's a part of heaven though that Paul saw that he said that I am not even permitted to speak about it. Are you listening? Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. When Paul does that, I believe that's kind of like the, 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 the ace of spades. He lays that down and says, boys, have you seen that? But not to boast about what he saw that was so joyful. Then Paul brings it right back to us this morning. He says, but also let me tell you about something else. Paul says to them also, I prayed and I had a weakness that nobody I, I, I hadn't told. I had a weakness that I called a thorn in my flesh and I asked God three times to take it from me. I prayed three times and God rejected me three times. I said, God, I'm your servant, your preacher, your apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. Won't you deliver this from my side, God? Some think it's his eyesight. Some think that he had a previous marriage and, and something happened there. Others think that he was being belittled. We really don't know there. I probably would lend more weight to his eyesight, but I can't prove that. But whatever it was, it drove the apostle. The apostle that brought people back to life. The apostle that set the church in order. The apostle that has so much power that he wrote, the, he wrote with pens that churches are still in order today by his penmanship. That apostle, apostle says, I prayed, but God did not answer the way that I prayed. I come to let somebody know just because you don't get your way does not mean that God's not working on your behalf. I want the storm to end now. Well, I do too. But you may not get it your way all the time. 
Now you can go find another church that'll give you something and, and tell you what you want to hear. But I'm going to tell you that some storms stop when we pray. And some storms cease when I lift up my hand. But sometimes there's some storms that linger. But in those times, while some may be demonic, some may be natural, some may be brought on by ourselves, and other times they are allowed by God. You think God was gonna allow this thing to stay in him after he prayed? You don't think he had enough prayer or faith to remove this thorn? He had enough prayer to pray to bring a boy back to life because his preaching was so long that a boy named Eutychus fell out the window and died. Aren't you thankful that I don't preach that long? <laughs> but here he prays and God says, no, I'm not gonna do it. And see, that's where we miss this at because we've had visions and dreams. Because now we had those good things. Now we're in a bad season. We don't understand though that God is using those storms to work something out in us. First of all, the flesh, this thorn in the flesh was to keep him humble. It was buffeted by Satan to keep him humble. We know that. We know that in verses eight and nine, he prayed three times and God told him no. But he also says this, but my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect, perfect in your weakness. Now this is what I'm gonna preach this morning. I come to let somebody know you're in the storm right now and you feel like God is not working on your behalf. But I wanna let you know that you're equipped to go through the storm you're about to face. Why and how do I know that? Because God's grace is still sufficient for your present storm. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I don't care how horrific your sin is. I don't care what your wife done. I don't care what your child is doing right now. I don't care if there was a needle in their arm last night. I'm telling you, if they confess their sins, God is able and just to forgive them and faithful to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. There's no sin to dar, nor fair to dar, no crime to dar, no prison too strong that can lock out the grace of Almighty God. I come to let somebody know this morning, don't throw the towel in. You are equipped for this journey and God will get you through this storm. Can you give God praise if you believe that? If you are a spirit-filled believer who is passionately pursuing him, and you're dying to yourself daily, you are equipped for this storm. If you can get this theology, it changes everything. I know some people want to name it, claim it. I believe in faith. But I also know that there's some things that God only works through is the storms of your life. Pastor, why do you say that? Because you've got to realize you're not God and you're weak in some things. If you could save your children, they would already be saved. If you could heal cancer, there would nobody in Wahala have cancer. There are some things though that you've gotta trust the mighty hand of God. You've gotta understand Superman is not your strength. You've gotta understand Batman is not your cape. You've gotta understand Robin is not your green tights. Come on somebody, why are you quiet this morning? I'm trying to help you. You've got to understand it's not in your power. It is in God's power to deliver you and God's power to raise you up. Why? Because it's by his grace, his power, his strength. And that's what changes everything. In our own street, we lack sufficient resources and abilities to meet the life's challenges. So God provides what we need. 
That's why his mercies are new every morning. Because when you wake up and that new storm comes against you and arthritis knocks on your door for the very first time, and you go to the barber and you realize your hair is gone and you finally got to let it go, I come to let you know the mercy that you need for that next journey of your life. God has abundance of it on supply. But listen, but what will happen is this. You will not have a peacock mentality to run around telling people, if I quit, the church will fall apart. And if I do this, this is gonna happen. And God needs me and I've never gone through anything and my marriage is perfect and my job is perfect and my children are angels. Let me tell you something. You better tell that to somebody else. You not fooling me. No, sir, I know you live in a real world. You put your pants on just like I put my pants on. You brush your teeth just like I brush my teeth. You need God's grace just like I need God's grace. And the problem with the Corinthians is the same problem with the modern church. We're too busy telling God what we are and how great we are and who we are and we forgot about who he is. And that's why God will allow some storms to come just to remind us, baby, that you can't do it by your your own power, your power will fail you. Your strength will fail. Your eyes will fail. Your, your, your life will fail at times, but God will never fail you. He is faithful to us. No matter what, his grace is sufficient. I come to tell somebody, that's what you need for the storm. So in the morning when you get up, and the curie quits, and you get the bad phone call, and your child who promised you that they would be at church today, but they didn't show up. I don't want you to go home today in defeat. I want you to go home and put your praise on. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna preach a little bit. I'm not quitting. I'm not close to quitting. I want you to go home and put your worship on. I don't know what your go-to song is, but put your go-to song on. Go back to your prayer closet, put it on, hit the button, and say, God, I'm disappointed right now. I thought the day would be the day that TJ got saved. God, he told me he'd come to church, but he lied to his own mama. But God, I know this, it's not over yet. And I need grace today, because I'm mad, I'm upset, I've been fighting devils. But God, I know this, I got my praise shoes on. And I'm about to do a dance that you hadn't seen in a while. And I, I know y'all too proper to dance with me. That's okay. That's all right. A while ago when he was trying to clap on the twos and fours, we were all over the place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but if I, if I was at my brother, the African-American pastor, Vince Collins, we'd have church. You understand what I'm saying? So I come to let somebody know this morning, it's not over. You're in a weak moment and you're not as strong as you think you are. But I've got a good news for you. Salvation is still sure. Grace is still sufficient. Power is still dunamis. Like on the book of Acts chapter one and chapter two. I come to let you know his friendship is not leaving you. He's closer than Jonathan was to David. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is Jehovah Shammah, which means God's presence never, ever leaves us. I feel weak right now. I feel defeated. I feel disappointed. I'm Paul and Silas at the midnight hour, but I come to let somebody know I already have what I need to make it through this storm. He is still God. 
Brother Williams, when you had cancer in your body in Maryland, and I went to see you, he was God in Maryland, and he's still God in Wahala. See, we think because of our insufficiency that we are pushing away God. Listen, your weakness does not mean that God is not big in your life. It's the opposite. But listen, preachers don't want to preach that because we want six steps to this and four steps to that and 10 steps to that. Sometimes you don't get 10 steps. What do you do when you get a phone call, Herschel, and they tell you your child's in a car wreck? You don't get 30 minutes to go put on your garment of praise. Sometimes you have a Job moment when suddenly there came a day. You don't get that time to go and read your Bible, read your scripture then. That's why you realize that your weakness does not mean God is not big in your life. In fact, when you admit, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, Brother Nolan, that's weak preaching. If you just had the spirit of faith, if you had more of God in you, oh, God, I'm gonna put a juniper tree. I've called down fire from heaven. But God, there's no more Christians like us. And there's a woman trying to kill me, is what they said in the Old Testament. So God, why don't you just kill me and let me die? Oh, if Elijah had faith, he wouldn't have said that. I'll press it. You want me to press it? If Noah would have had more faith, he wouldn't have got drunk. If Jonah had more faith, he wouldn't have ran away. If Simon Peter had more faith, he wouldn't have denied God. If Paul would have had more faith, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble with so many ministers when they couldn't get along. If Barnabas had so much faith, he wouldn't have left Paul. You want me to keep going on? You want to know why? Because the only thing it shows is that you're a human being and you're not perfect. And I know sometimes we think we're perfect because we just got our, our no, new North Wahala t-shirt on and, and we got our bumper sticker and we love our preacher and we got our own, we got to fake it till we make it. But sweetie, you ain't fooling me because I know what you are because I know what I am. If it had not been for the grace of God on my side, I would not be standing here today. Some of you, some of you won't get it because you don't want to get it, because you might start crying in here and you don't want to mess up your makeup. But sweetie, I don't want your makeup to run. I want you to take off the mask. I want you to take it completely off and let God get behind the scenes because listen, inside you're dying and inside you thinking, God, if it doesn't change, I don't know how much suicide's crossed my mind. I live in depression. I live in darkness. I've got a word for somebody today. God's not afraid of your weakness. God is not afraid of your struggle. God is not afraid of your prayer. In fact, God is saying the opposite. If you give it to me, I can build on it. If you give it to me, I can change it. If you give it to me, I can show up like mother hen protecting my chicks and you will come out victorious on the other side. Give God praise. I'm almost done. Uh, Steve, I'm guilty of this. I've been guilty for 10 years. I've got weaknesses. I can't sing. Not the best looking preacher out there. I'm trying. I'm working on it. You know what I'm saying? I've got a lot of infirmities. So what I do is when I'm around my, my, my buddies, I'm okay. But honestly, if I get around other preachers who never have weaknesses, I get really insecure. And they'll tell you this. They'll say, man, Neil quotes scripture all the time. You want to know why? That's my go-to. That's my security blanket. Because it's the one thing that I've found in my life that will not fail me. 
And I really am troublesome by preachers that never quote scripture. Okay, that's my story. That's all right. That's my insecurities. But let me tell you what happens when you get to a storm that you get that I don't care spirit. Where your children are so bad and so far gone that you really don't care what nobody else thinks. Well, I would vote for them for the deacon board, but their children just acting crazy. Sweetie, you don't know what your child did last night. Well, I, that, that, that person's had a relationship or two. What did you watch on TV last night? Don't, don't, we just talking. Because if you watch something that was ungodly, Jesus said, if you lust after that person, you commit adultery already. Man, there's probably a lot of adulterers in Wahala. Nobody said amen there. I mean, no, no, nobody's moving. <laughs> like you've never lusted after anything. That's okay. That's all right. Don't you hate it when a preacher's being truthful and you want to say amen, but you can't? <laughs> Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm not saying, God, I want to thank you for letting my kid be lost. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. That's foolish. He's not saying just get up in the morning and say, God, I want to thank you that I broke my foot last night. No, that's what he's saying. He's saying, though, that my infirmities has caused me to pursue God more. And since I was weak in this area, I had to trust God who was not weak. And since I was weak in that area, I gave it to God. Now God is building in me in that area. So when people come and speak to me, they go, you know what, I knew you used to struggle with that. But you don't struggle with that anymore. Then you've got to say this. Well, you know what, I worked on it. And I found a good self-help book that got me through it. No. You say, I don't know how. My son was lost. It was the hardest time of my life. But I stayed in my prayer room. And there were days I thought I lost my mind. But at the fourth watch of the night, God showed up and delivered my son from bondage. And I want to give God praise because I grew more in that time than I had in any time of my life. That's what Paul is saying. I therefore take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in needs, and persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, he is strong. What God is saying to you this morning is if you want to get through the storm, he's not going to share his glory with any of you. So when you stand up to testify, when we have a testify testimony service in, in, the, in August, and you stand up and testify like this, man, I, I'm doing better than ever. I do this, I do that, I do this. About the third eye, you should sit down. Testimony should be like this. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, the doctor said my child would die from a car wreck, that there would be damage that would last but we, the saints, prayed in the night. I, I know it's a little churchy, but it's okay. But we prayed in the night. And all of a sudden, the nurse came back in and said, we don't know what happened. We do. 
We were weak because we couldn't heal, but the prayer of faith prevailed and God went to work on our behalf. And I come to let those benefactors and preachers know I can't boast about what I've done, but I can boast about who he is. He's my God. He's my deliverer. He's my fortress. He's my shield. He's my everything that I am. He's my God this morning. That's what Paul is saying. God, if you're not going to deliver me from this storm, then deliver me through this storm. Let me close. Oh, I don't know who that was for. If you're not, if you can't get out of it, then let God get you through it. Brother, no, but God didn't heal Paul from this. No, he didn't. But it didn't stop him either. Brother, no, I, my husband's separated from me right now. Okay. Who's judging you? I'm not. I want you to come to church. The best place you can be is at church. But some churches are judging us. They don't know you. They're just trying to make themselves feel better. Weak people always elevate off the backs of somebody else. Strong people always elevate those who are down. You can like it, don't like it, I don't care. That's the truth. Weak people step on people because they want to be elevated and their character is not strong enough to stand by itself. Strong people realize I am who I am in God. Therefore, Galatians 6 and 1, I will elevate those who are struggling. These four weaknesses here, Paul says, through insults, he is strong. Aren't you tired of worrying about what somebody's saying about you? You can't defend all the lies. Paul says, I'm a trust in his strength. You can't go back and fight everybody who speaks about you, your business, your company, your children. Sometimes you just gotta give it to God. Come on, somebody. Hardships, circumstances that are forced on you, His grace is sufficient. I lost my job, Pastor. Okay? We're not gonna let you starve. And I just believe if God brought you that job, He can bring you another one. Persecutions. It means wounds or abuses or painful circumstances. Who's persecuting you right now? What painful situation are you going through? Admit to God today, God, I don't know how much more I can take. And then watch God go to work on your behalf. Lastly, calamities. It means pressure that crushes or calls crushing. You feel right now that you're being crushed. I've come to tell you, you're not going to be crushed because you're equipped for the storm. I want to read one more scripture. Would you pull up Psalms 112 and 7? I close. I can't wait to get back next week. Mm. Psalms 112 and 7. Are you ready? Is this okay? You're going to make it. Psalms 112 and 7 says this. Though will I have no fear of evil tidings, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Another translation says, they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. How many have ever received bad news? Anybody? I want to close with this thought. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what bad news has come your way. But the psalmist said if we trust in the righteousness of God, even bad news will not cause us to fear because we trust in his righteousness. The very first sermon I gave you this series, 
God's not giving you the spirit of fear. So now, in this present storm, can I remind you, I don't know what you're going to hear tomorrow. I don't know what you're going to hear today. I want you to listen to me, somebody. You're going to get some bad news. And they're going to tell you that it's over. Your marriage, your life, your finances. I want you to not fear the storm. I want you to admit, God, I'm weak in this moment, but you are strong. Watch God come to your rescue and get you out of the storm. Would you stand with me, please? All over the house. You are equipped. Are you saved? Are you saved by the blood of Jesus? Are you baptized in the Spirit? Are you praying and reading your Bible? Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you communicating with God? Paul, this storm's going to last a little bit. Just a little while longer. But guess what, son? You're going to make it because you're equipped for the storm. If you're sick in body, I want you to step out right now. Come to this altar. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to beg you. If you're sick in body, I want you to come stand to my left right now. Very pastoral this morning is my sermon. It was intended to be. Diane's here this morning playing for us, but what you don't realize, Danny, she has kidney stones. Am I correct on that? Playing her instrument at church while she has kidney stones and in pain. That's pretty good, folks. Amen. To my right, Pastor, I've got some personal trouble. I, I'm not going to limit to marriage. I'm just going to say personal trouble. And I need God strength on my weakness. Would you come out right now over the house? It's going to take brave people to come, but that's okay. I just want to pray with you. I just want to simply lay my hands on you and pray with you. Would you come? Come on, son. My goodness. all right. Can we not give him a hand this morning? When our teenagers believe the word of God like this, and I gave that auto call, and Mike, he came running. You know what he told me? Preacher, my hands are sweaty. That's okay, son. You're all right. Amen. Your church loves you. You hear me? And we're going to pray for you. Anyone else would come. Personal trouble. Pastor, marriage, finances, it doesn't matter. I just want you to know you've got what you need to make it if you have him. He is your God. You're going to make it. Whatever you need. You need manna, he rains it down. You need money, he brings it by the fish's mouth. You need healing, he still raises the dead. You need a baptism, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 19. You need grace, it's sufficient. You need forgiveness, you want healing, confess your faults. All that's provided in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, stretch your hand this way. We're going to begin to pray as they begin to sing and play. If I can have some leaders, workers, members, friends, just to come pray. What a beautiful service. Would you come pray, please, all over the house? There's never been a scenario in my life, a storm that has approached me, that God was not able to keep me, sustain me, 
take me through the storm and then make that storm be greater for my purpose. You're in the storm right now, but I've come to let you know you've got what you need. You don't have to chase crystals or rocks or formulas, philosophies. You can trust in the sufficiency of Christ. He is more than able to keep you rooted, Colossians 2, in the midst of the storm. He is your God, and He will not fail you. His grace is sufficient. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you. Bless you. Six o'clock tonight, I want you to be here. You are a great and mighty church. Best looking church in all of South Carolina. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. Father, we love you. We thank you. I love being with the people that I love. Summer ago, we were away, camps and things like that. And it's just good to be back with these wonderful people. I pray blessings upon them today. Some of them have got private storms that they couldn't share. I'm not putting them down. I've been there. But I just want them to know that grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. I'll make my way to the front door to greet you.